It's the NFL preseason. Check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you need fantasy rankings, we've got our rankings and sleepers at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. So come listen to Danny Heifetz, Craig Horlbeck, and me, Danny Kelly, on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's The Bear, starring Jeremy Allen White, Ayo Adebri, and Eben moss Backrack. Season two follows as the crew work to transform their grimy sandwich joint into a next-level spot. It turns out the only thing harder than running a restaurant is opening a new one. Television Academy members can watch all episodes at fxnetworks.com slash FYC. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, it is Wednesday, August 3rd. Welcome back. Imagine you are a film director. You're working on a $90 million Warner Brothers movie based on some of its most famous intellectual property. It was greenlit for the HBO Max streaming service, and it was designed to be a key piece of the next phase of DC movies. So you're in post, things are going well. You think, hey, this thing has a shot of being successful. Then all of a sudden, the studio's parent company goes from Warner Media to Warner Brothers Discovery. The stock market starts questioning all the spending on streaming services and specifically what return movies are getting for subscribers. A new CEO comes in, he's got a new strategy. He puts a new leader in charge of the film studio. Director streaming movies should be cheaper, he thinks. Certainly not $90 million, even for something like Batgirl. But $90 million is too cheap for the kind of $250 million DC movies that can gross a billion dollars in theaters. So all of a sudden, your movie's in this no-man's land. That's what happened to Batgirl yesterday, along with a smaller Scooby-Doo sequel. Warner Brothers did something pretty amazing, some even calling it unprecedented. It pulled the plug on a nearly finished high-profile movie, scrapping the whole thing, not because it was so bad, although it wasn't great, but because they thought it was more valuable to the company to get a tax deduction for not finishing and releasing the film than for actually putting it out there for fans. And there's a whole lot of reasons why they did that. I mean, this is a company that has huge debts and has promised Wall Street that it will eliminate about $3 billion in costs. But why the Batgirl movie? Is it really a sign of the times in Hollywood and for DC in particular that every movie is vulnerable to just being canceled like this? And just today, the filmmakers Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah released a statement saying that they were in shock at the news. We still can't believe it, the statement says. As directors, it is critical that our work be shown to audiences, and while the film was far from finished, we wish that fans all over the world would have had the opportunity to see and embrace the final film themselves. Social media has been lighting up with this topic because DC is this cultural lightning rod. The movies have been good. A lot of them have been bad. They've been mired in controversy from the Snyderverse to, you know, the, the Wonder Woman sequel to... Ben Affleck is Batman. It seems to be this ongoing saga in a way that the Marvel movies obviously are not. 
So I invited an expert on the subject, Boris Kitt, who's been covering DC and Marvel and all things comic book movies for The Hollywood Reporter for a long time. We worked together for more than a decade. We're friends. And he's a scoop guy. So he would often be the first to report on these projects. He would come into my office and he would say, hey, DC is doing this or Marvel is doing that. And often I would not even know what the characters were. He knew all of them. He knows the fan community and he's been monitoring this stuff pretty closely. So... I wanted to have him in to discuss the state of DC, what the Batgirl cancellation means for the future of movies in this genre, and for Warner Brothers Discovery, which is an interesting company right now because they are trying to figure out what to do with this streaming service. There's all kinds of buzz that they are going to eliminate HBO Max. They're not going to even make movies directly for the service anymore. They're going to merge it all with Discovery Plus, which is mostly reality shows. You know, They're going to have the HBO shows and that's it. I mean, we have no idea what is coming to HBO Max, but change is coming, and Batgirl is a perfect way to get into that discussion. So today, Boris Kitt and I are going to go into that. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Boris Kitt. Boris has always been my sounding board. We worked together for many years at The Hollywood Reporter. He's always been my sounding board on comic book fandom, and all things Marvel, DC, you were the first. I remember back in the day, you were the first to tell me that they were making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And you walked into my office and I said, wait, what? He said, yeah, there's a talking, what was it? A talking raccoon? You're like, it's a talking raccoon and there's a tree and it's like a space opera. You remember that day? Yes, I do. And I... <laughs> And I said, what? Well, don't believe me when I say this stuff. I know. I said, no. And, you, you know, you you are, are a scoop reporter, so you're often the first person to know about these things. And I remember, I like, you would come to my office, and I couldn't believe that anybody would see a movie with a talking raccoon. So I am wrong on, on the, often on this stuff, and you are, are right. So I brought you in to talk about the DC universe and the pretty shocking news yesterday that Warner Brothers has decided to eliminate a $90 million Batgirl movie from the schedule, not put it on HBO Max, not sell it off to Netflix, not, you know, put it on premium video on demand where you can pay 50 bucks to watch it. This movie is being disappeared. It will not be finished. It's almost done. And it's part of this larger strategy shift at Warner's and Warner's parent company, Warner Brothers Discovery, where the streaming priority of the past few years uh, where you would make as much content as you could, put it exclusively on the streaming service and hope to build your subscriber base to the point where Wall Street showers you with a Netflix valuation, that is all gone. And these companies are really scrutinizing the spending for their streaming products, especially Warner Brothers Discovery, because it is loaded with debt. The CEO, David Zaslav, has promised to eliminate $3 billion in costs. There's been cost-cutting all over the company. They're canceling scripted shows at the Turner Networks. They are, you know, they got rid of CNN Plus. They are really scrutinizing almost every aspect of the company. And lo and behold, we see the $90 million Batman, Batgirl movie just go away. So, so what do you think, Boris, this means for DC? I mean, look, there's, there's, first of all, there's so much to unpack here. A studio basically just made is making a ninety million dollar superhero movie disappear, and the fact is is that no one's ever done anything like this. I think in the history of movies, 
I mean, there have been movies that have been scrapped and movies that were unreleasable, but not something based on this valuable of IP from a major studio that was that has major stars in it, like Michael Keaton, Brendan Fraser, the star Leslie Grace is an up up and coming actress. You know, this is this is probably the most high profile movie, at least that I can remember, that has been absolutely scrapped. Look, movies, you know, tend to, you know, there's been, you know, some. You know, Miramax with scrap movies, uh, you know, you know, $5 million movies or $10 million movies. But nothing of, of this size has ever been scrapped like this, especially not when it's completed, right? And then you add the fact that it's a DC movie, which all of a sudden makes it more high profile. And it's supposed to be one of the crown jewels of the, you know, the, the Warner Brothers slash Discovery Empire. It's like one of the biggest brands in the world. And it's Batgirl. It's like in the Batman family. So, you know, you're going to have the DC fans, DC Nation with more bad news. Oh, they're already finding me on Twitter and asking me what the hell's going on. These are not quite the Snyderverse people, which is a, a different, you know, special place of the DC <laughs> fandom. Uh, these are regular DC fans who are like, hey, I would have liked to see a, a, a Batgirl movie. Um, it's funny. I actually often will get emails from readers and last night I got one with the subject line, I've seen Batgirl. So obviously I clicked on that. And this is someone who was in the test screening a couple months ago where they were trying to figure out what to do with this movie. And I called him and we chatted and he, you know, he's a real person. <laughs> and uh, he said that after the screening, the executives, Walter Hamada of DC and some of the others there asked the audience, you know, did this feel big? You know, and clearly they were trying to figure out whether it felt like it deserved a theatrical release. And the consensus was absolutely not. He said it played like a TV pilot. It, the stakes were very small. It's set in the universe after the, the upcoming Flash movie, which is sort of a reset of the DC universe. And Michael Keaton's in it because he's in Flash as Batman. And it's also weirdly a Christmas movie. Uh, for some reason. So this movie wouldn't likely have come out until the holidays next year. Uh, he said it felt a little like Dark Phoenix, which was that X-Men movie that got completely buried in the early days of the pandemic. So the problem with Batgirl is, you know, when he was he was looking at this, he's been looking at this for a while because uh, he was looking at a lot of their movies. You mean Zaslav? Zaslav, yes, the Zaz. Mm -hmm. And that movie, they were trying to find a way to make it theatrical they needed a way to supersize it to make it more tentpole because it's a 90, 90 million dollar movie that was intended to be made for streaming and it just they just couldn't figure out a way to to make it work the shift at warner brothers discovery and we're seeing it with this movie we're seeing it with the scooby-doo sequel scoop sequel we're seeing it with you know them disappearing some of these max originals off of hbo max in the last week they they just don't want to spend too much money on the max original movies. Right. Because you, the amount of subscribers you get does not vary in budget size. You can spend $25 million. You'll probably get the same amount of subscribers added to it as you would spend $150 million. Well, maybe we don't know that. And certainly the gray man uh, is something that people are paying attention to on Netflix. We don't know how many people are staying subscribed or subscribing just for that, but Having two big stars like Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans in a big budget action thriller is something that people are interested in. And I think people would have been interested in a Batgirl movie too. Now, if it's terrible, 
which your sources say that it actually wasn't that bad. And my guy that I talked to last night said, it's not the worst movie in the world. Like he's, he would probably watch it on HBO Max. He would not pay to see it in theaters and the reviews would probably be terrible and discourage people, but it was fine. It just doesn't justify the expense under this new regime. Right. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, going off of test screenings, that's you have test screenings and some of them are very, very early and you build off of that. That's the, that's the goal of these test screenings, you know, and then you see whether you need a round of reshoots to like beef things up or, or, or change a few things. My guy said that this was pretty much done. There was some CGI at the end and they were trying to figure out what the ending was, but like the fundamentals here, he's like, it just, what the, the stakes are small, you know, Firefly is just a dude in a suit who like may or may not have killed Batgirl's mother, you know, early on, there was a fire or something. I, I don't want to get into the details of the plot, <laughs> but uh, which he said was very convoluted and involved like multiple boyfriends and mob bosses. And, you know, there may or may not have been a, a reference to Jason Todd, who is a big character in the DC universe, but there's no, there's no Robin in this movie. And, um, you know, there is, they do show Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman mask, uh, which I think is something that fans Maybe. Nice Easter egg, yeah. Yeah, nice little Easter egg. Although Michelle Pfeiffer is not in the movie. Right. You know, I, I, part of Marvel's success strategy is throwing Easter eggs like that. Sure. And they're emulating that. And this was supposed to come after Flash. And like, they're trying to do the thing that Marvel is doing right now, which is they have the storylines go from theatrical movie to Disney+. Plus. And then you got to see WandaVision in order to fully get Doctor Strange 2. And that's what DC has been trying to do. I mean, D this gets to the larger question about the state of DC, in, especially in the new order at Warner Brothers Discovery, because they are in this weird place where they've had a lot of success. The movies have, you know, not been as high performing as the Marvel movies, of course, but, you know, they, they do fine. It's just they need to do better. And Zasloff wants them to do better. Walter Hamada is really feeling the pressure at DC. We don't know if he's going to stay in the job. We think that the new heads of Warner Brothers, Michael DeLuca and Pam Abdi, we think they probably want to keep him because they can kind of control DC if he's there. But if they bring in a high-profile new person to run DC, maybe they will have less control. Maybe that person will report directly to Zasloff. It's sort of unclear right now. I mean, you were just at Comic-Con. What were people saying about DC? Well, I mean, DC, they c came out with a presentation the same day as Marvel, and Marvel closes it out. Marvel closes up a, their the Hall H panel with like the last presentation of the day. They throw out so much news for you, and you have one guy who is basically like, you know, the carnival barker here, you know, check out the lions, check out the trapeze artists and check out the clowns. You're talking about Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel. Yes. Yeah. So, and DC doesn't have that. And that's been the problem. They don't no. have their version of Kevin Feige It's certainly not Walter Hamada. Um, and I don't know that that exists. We've talked about this in the past in this show, like you're not going to replicate that. So given that, what does DC do going forward? The Warner's brother way is to be filmmaker driven, right? They let, they give something to a filmmaker and let that person go. Christopher Nolan, he made, you know, the ultimate Batman movies until, you know, Matt Reeves now has, has the, you know, control of. Sure. Of and Todd Phillips with Joker and like, yes, they've had right. successes there. They also have been set back in my opinion, many, many years by the Zack Snyder nonsense. 
yeah, there's that, and that was a big, a big distraction, and they had a whole plan, and and that never came to fruition. So they, you know, they tried to have one man and one filmmaker be sort of the creative thing, but that, you know, that got derailed for a variety of reasons. And 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 quite frankly, DC and Warner Brothers getting acquired, reacquired, and sold the AT and T. And now this, this, this does not help for any cohesive strategy. Right. Now, that is a good point, because while Disney has been under the same ownership, even though they've had different CEOs, it's been one cohesive strategy for the last 15 years. And they are executing on it like nobody's business. DC has had multiple owners. They've been streaming first. They've been theatrical first. They've had... You know, they they wanted the Snyderverse, then they didn't want the Snyderverse. It's been a hodgepodge. Remember, they had the DC, special DC universe site that had straight for streaming Doom Patrol and, and Titans and stuff. And before that got brought over to like a whole different division. You know, they were trying to do a Swamp Thing TV series and stuff. So they were spending, you know, millions of dollars for something that ended up getting scrapped and then moved over to a whole new different division. Right. So there's so much potential in DC and everybody wants a piece of it, right? So what do you do? Do you tell powerful producers and filmmakers, no, you can't have this because we're trying to find a guy who can, you know, people keep saying about how they want a Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige grew into that job, right? It's not like all of a sudden Kevin Feige just materialized and was like, here I am, you know, you know, he did his time in the trenches and moved his way up on movie after movie after movie and was able to see a bigger picture. The thing is, is that people need patience for this stuff and people don't want patience. Oh, and Warner Brothers absolutely does not want patience. I mean, Zaslav sees the potential here, but he doesn't want to wait five years for this. He wants to turn the card around right now and get these movies made and 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 turn it into something like more akin to Marvel. Um, and I don't think that's going to be possible. I mean, the, the fact that Aquaman did over a billion, Joker was a huge hit. Batman seems to have restarted the franchise. Like there are hits. I mean, one the last Wonder Woman was was not a good movie and kind of flopped, but you could absolutely do another Wonder Woman if you wanted. I, I just feel like Zaslav may have unrealistic expectations for what DC can be. And he's looking at Marvel. I mean, literally, he brought in Alan Horn, the executive from Disney, who was Kevin Feige's boss uh, before, you know, after working at Warner's for many years to help them on that. So it's pretty clear what Warner Brothers Discovery wants out of this. Um, on the Batgirl front, though, do you think that just by by scrapping a movie like this and telling the filmmakers, you know, I'm sorry, your movie is just not good enough. We'd rather have a tax deduction rather than release your creative work. Do you think that's going to have some creative repercussions for the studio? I mean, they already have problems because they put all the movies in 2021 on the streaming service without telling anybody in advance. And now they have this new CEO who's come in and said, I'm talent friendly. I respect the talent. And then he goes and does this. I mean, everybody involved in this movie is basically being told it's not good enough to be released. Well, first of all, the other thing too is the, the key players here are CAA, like the two directors. The agency. CAA. Yeah, CAA, the agency. Uh, Leslie Grace is rep by uh, CAA, and uh, Michael Keaton is now also rep by CAA, thanks to CAA acquiring ICM. So this is like, if I'd be at, 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 at CAA, I would be severely, severely peeved at this kind of move. Well, and remember, it was CAA that came out against 
the decision to put all the movies on the streaming service. They went public. Brian Lord, the head of CA, and Richard Lovett, they went public in the media and said it was unacceptable. There was a lot of rumors that ultimately the pissing off CIA was one of the things that contributed to Toby Emmerich, the head of the film division, ultimately uh, moving on because he lost the creative community. And and you and people underestimate this. When you're not in the middle of Hollywood, you don't underestimate how much power these creatives have and how much power the agencies have because they are, the, you know, they have the stable. And if you piss them off, we saw it with Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow, but does Warner Brothers Discovery actually care? Or do they care more about the stock price and the $3 billion in debt that they have to deal with? I don't think Discovery cares right now. I think that's going to be the people who are going to be sweating that kind of decision making is going to be someone like uh, Mike DeLuca and the people running the, the studio now or and stuff. But there's also ways, look, they can they can do make goods. They can put Leslie Grace in another movie. They can get the directors to make a movie. Sure. And to be clear, everyone's getting paid here. It's not like they're not getting their money. Oh, yeah, of but... course. Yeah, this, they, they made a movie, so they got paid. But the, right. the other, the, look, you just spent the last two years. I mean, they, I mean, not you, but. The filmmakers and the, and the people making this movie, you know, you spent the last two years making a movie that ultimately will not be seen. Oh, so this is Batgirl. So yes, there's also like, yes, you know, the town and, and CAA people are very upset, but think about like, this was supposed to be a big, you know, after Wonder Woman, a big female centric movie here. This is Batgirl, right? Like a female Batman, if you will. Yeah. It's a bad look. And that's why I think the, the statement that Warner's put out was very telling. I'm going to quote here. The decision to not release Batgirl reflects our leadership's strategic shift as it relates to the DC Universe and HBO Max. So, like, they are very clear here that they are you know, trying to position this as having nothing to do with the quality of the movie, but everything to do with the strategic positioning of the company. Now, obviously, if this movie was amazing, they probably would have a different tack on this but you know it is what it is yeah i just like, i i feel bad for the dc fans man because it's like they've got issues with ezra miller and amber heard yeah i mean that's a whole separate thing the ezra miller situation situation on the flash and um you know the behavior issues and whether that will impact the release of that movie i don't think it will and then obviously i don't think it will because the thing is is that what i keep hearing over and over again is the flash the flash two things on the flash one, the Flash is testing incredibly well. It's supposed to be, by all accounts, the movie that DC fans have been waiting for. I never believe that. I I always think that spin until I people I trust tell me they, they listen. I I've, I sometimes hear I hear good spin. I hear bad spin, and I've been hearing consistently that this is the movie that that people are the studio is really really high on. Right. And I don't think anyone cares about the Ezra Ezra Miller stuff unless it becomes so bad that Warner's has to act on it and has to kind of take a stand on the behavior. Um, and then obviously Aquaman 2 has Amber Heard in it. And I don't think her role is small. I don't think that scandal is really going to impact that movie at all. I think that movie is going to be huge. And Black Adam, what are you hearing on Black Adam? That is good. It's, it's solid. They, they have... They've been working, Hamada, Walter Hamada has been working diligently to put together a slate of great theatrical movies. And if everything I've heard is that these, they're all solid. Now you can, solid. Now, grain of salt here. You tend to love these movies. I tend to not love them. So. You know what? I'm very hard on these movies. Like, 
you know, you think I like everything? I don't like everything. I can. I, <laughs> you you used to bound into the office. Oh my God, it's amazing. Green Lantern, amazing. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that about Green Lantern. But you are favorable. All right. So, but, but regardless, our opinions don't matter. The strategy for DC is what's interesting here. And do you think that Hamada survives? Do you think he will stay in the job? Do you think he wants to stay in the job with the new leadership? Listen, right, what's happening right now in the last few days, I don't think anybody wants to stay in, in that studio right now. The mm -hmm. morale has been has been crushing over there. But the thing is, is that Hamada has actually, you know, after sort of the the shenanigans and, and the and the and sort of the wasteland of of the pre, you know, the Jeff Johns, John Berg era. The Snyderverse stuff. The Snyderverse stuff. And and that, that was like the, the Martha, the, the infamous Martha scene in Batman versus Superman, which is still the most unintentionally funny five seconds or five minutes of DC movie of all time. Those movies lost their way to for, for, for some and for the studio and, and for worldwide audiences and stuff. And Hamada has spent the last few years trying to write a ship that was heading in one direction. Now it's going to a different direction. And he's made some movies that are just waiting to be released. Yeah. I still think they'll bring in someone new. I think they want to reset. I mean, this Batgirl situation is evidence that they feel they need a, you know, they need to hit a button. They got rid of Toby Emmerich. They are going to probably get rid of the DC person if they can find someone, someone, and they're going to try to, they will at least be able to tell a story, a narrative to Wall Street that we are making investments in DC. It's so important to us. We brought in this great person and we've got this slate of movies that's coming out because ultimately it's Wall Street that these guys care about. They got to get that stock rebounded. It's so bad right now. And that's ultimately going to govern everything here. Um, all right, Boris, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, you and I, you and I will go and we will see the Flash movie together and I will hear you giggling the entire time. Uh, how about I just take you to the to my local comic shop instead? Never. Never, ever, ever. All right. Thank you. All right. We are back with the call sheet, my daily prediction. And this one, Producer Craig, is actually related to our conversation about Batgirl, uh, the big Warner Brothers Discovery shareholder call and earnings reveal is tomorrow. And they have promised news on their streaming strategy, direct-to-consumer strategy. And that means that the HBO Max service could be getting a new name. That's a huge mistake. Oh, really? So Warner Brothers Discovery has two major streaming services. They have HBO Max, which is, you know, a couple years old now, and they have Discovery Plus. And they are likely going to merge those in some meaningful way. And when they do, it's speculated that perhaps, you know, HBO becomes a tile on Discovery or Discovery becomes a tile within HBO Max, or they just smash them all together and have one service that has all the content on there for one price. Um, we don't know. I mean, they could do something completely different. They can scrap their global strategy and revert back to the old HBO strategy where they sold off their content territory by territory around the world and just, you know, say, hey, we're not going to try to be Netflix. We're going to try to be HBO. But the speculation is, is that they will have some kind of global play streaming service that will have a name. And today's prediction is about what that name might be. Okay. I'm nervous. What's your prediction? It's a little bit of a hedge, but 
I'm going to say that it's either going to be HBO or it's going to be Discovery, meaning all of the Discovery stuff will be put into HBO and the whole service will just be called HBO. Well, they'll get rid of the Max name. The Max thing has been confusing for people forever. Uh, they will just call it HBO or they will just call it Discovery. I think it would be a mistake to just call it Discovery. To get rid of the HBO name on the front page of, you know, whatever Apple TV or whatever site you use to, to get into your streaming mm. services, getting rid of the name HBO to me is a huge mistake. It's synonymous with like high quality movies and television. I mean, that's, that, that is the peak of television in people's minds is HBO. They need to see HBO. Maybe, but it could be a tile. The thing is, I mean, there's all sorts of economic issues at, at play here because HBO is very expensive and the Discovery Service is not. So they would have to, they're going to have to figure out what the pricing will be. Perhaps there will be a low price point to bring you into Discovery. And then in order to get the full boat of content, you have to pay the upcharge to get access to HBO. Um, there's also you know, the question of whether there's going to be stuff on HBO that is not on the linear channel. Right now, so many of the shows on HBO Max are Max originals and are not offered on the linear HBO channel. So they're gonna have to figure out what they're gonna do there. I mean, they've already mounted some speculation here because they've been pulling some of the movies off of HBO Max in the past week, including some that were made specifically for the service. So they may just you know pull back and say, our spending on this is going to be a lot lower. Who knows? But I don't. I don't think they're going to keep the Max name much longer. So you're predicting either Discovery becomes just HBO, or HBO becomes just Discovery Plus, and it's now a tile within Discovery Plus's app. Yes. Even the HBO logo is sexy. The black with the white letters. It looks great. Don't get. They should not get rid of that. But what do I know? Yeah, it does mean a lot. But again, HBO is a premium product, and for everybody that loves it, there's a lot of people that still don't think HBO is for them. But who thinks Discovery Plus is for them? Well, yeah, that's true. But it, but Discovery, I think, is a little bit broader. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, and it may, you know, may, you may be able to bring those people in by saying, "Hey, that you know, come in for Discovery, then you can upcharge for the other yeah. stuff." But I, I I see what you're saying, and they've done a lot of work over the last couple of years to broaden out the HBO Max content, so it does appeal to more people than that core HBO demo. I actually, if I had to lean, I'd probably say they're going to go with the HBO side, but wouldn't shock me if they just said, you know what, this is Discovery. Mm. Keep in mind, the CEO of, a, of Warner Brothers Discovery comes from Discovery. Right. All right, that is the show. I want to thank Boris Kitt for coming on. Uh, I want to thank producer Craig Horlbeck, and I want to thank you. We'll see you later this week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.